You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlis, and maybe somebody else. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 27 for Friday, January 11th, 2008. That's a new year. Oh my God, 2008. If if you can believe it. it. Mm, No. Yeah, we survived. Uh, Anyway, I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vanderlist, and you know what? With it being 2008, you still have questions, so we know that you want to get them answered. So if you have those questions, you can even bring the ones from 2007 over with you. We're, we're more than happy to accommodate you, even the old ones. Just blow the dust off them. <laughs> so if you've got questions, comments, whatever, you can get a hold of us two different ways. Number one, you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message on our Skype voicemail, which is 623 242 Two four five zero, and as always, you know what? We're we're a year older, and that means the memory is getting shot too. So we'll have those in the show notes. Not like I ever remembered them before. So, <laughs> anyway, so so two thousand eight. Holy cats! That's yeah. insane. It's two thousand eight, and um, nothing really new for this show. I think we're just going to con- continue doing more of the same. I think I enjoy the format, and until someone says, you know, you guys suck. Well, they kind of say that once in a while. Yeah, we anyway, get that but, <laughs> uh, uh, If it becomes a problem, then we'll change. Um, but I think, you know, this is a good wrap-up show just to talk about stuff that happens every week. Um, you know, so I don't see any reason for any major format change announcements or anything. I think we're good to go. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I wasn't on our list here, but I did want to add something. We're going to be talking about Kaleo in a second for a very special reason. But um, I also want to mention Kaleo's show again. Um, have you been keeping up with that? I think he's on episode three or four now. Yeah, actually, I, I did. I had a chance the other day. You know, I hate to admit this, this is really kind of embarrassing. And I don't want anybody thinking it's like, you know, oh, Matt's just such a snob or anything. <laughs> I am a little bit. But um, and actually, this is maybe this is like feeding into like my, my own ignorance or something. But I just discovered how to like actually like subscribe to some blogs other than podcasts. And <laughs> than iTunes. And so I, I subscribed to uh, Kaleo's workshop and, you know, I, I actually picked up a few other ones, including like, you know, there's this one called Wood Talk Online. And <laughs> <laughs> so now when I have down moments at work, I actually kind of like, you know, start going through those and reading these things going, there is so much you can learn out there. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, we probably should have had a talk about that at some point. Uh, I, I now have, I mean, it's getting ridiculous. I don't know if anyone has uh, noticed or saw the announcement, but we did start start uh, more or less officially the Wood Whisperer Network. Um, and this plays in exactly to what you're you're talking about, Matt. Um, if you are the type of person who's just looking for woodworking content to read and stuff that's got a, a little bit of a personal uh, touch to it, um, reading woodworking blogs is an excellent way, you know, to get a lot of, you know, sort of firsthand information from people who are in the trenches or, you know, have, have a certain experience on with a particular tool. Um, it's just a great way to learn and just be part of the woodworking community. So we figured we'd start this network to sort of raise awareness of some of these great blogs that are out there, but uh, may not be getting the traffic that they really deserve. Um, so if you go to the Wood Whisperer Network, or it's uh, it's a page within the Wood Whisperer site, and you can get to it also by going to twwnetwork.com. Um, a lot of good ones there, and I'm sure as you found out, Matt, there's a ton of other ones out there too. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. It is. It's like, you know, one of those I, I now 
I don't even know. The only reason I show up for work basically is so that I can get online <laughs> and actually start reading the blogs. It's like, what's this crap on my desk? No, move that out of the way. Yeah. I've got print offs that I've got to read because I can't get it up here fast enough. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my Google reader now, I think I've got maybe 30 or 40 um, different sites in there, including podcasts and things like that. But um, it's it's pretty incredible. There's quite a bit of information out there, and it's uh, you could certainly waste some good work hours reading it, too. So. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to do the quick shift thing where, like, the boss walks in. I can hear the footsteps. So it's like, you know, alt-tab, alt alt-tab. It's yeah. like, what do you got up there? Uh, that thing I was working on. <laughs> right. Well, you, you actually brought it to my attention, so I will let you uh, do the congratulatory uh, announcement concerning Kaleo if you'd like to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we would love to extend a huge congratulations to Kaleo and his wife because actually just before we went on the air, suddenly this popped up in my Google reader that uh, Kaleo was announcing that his son was just born. So a huge congratulations hey. to him. Yeah, fantastic. You know, big, big clap for you. And of course, you have a name for your son that there's no way in in God's <laughs> green earth that Matt should be trying to pronounce. So I, I'll do the first part, which uh, is Tasman and his nickname is Taz. And I think I can get the last part of the name, which is Kalea. <laughs> the rest of it, not happening. <laughs> I, I'm going to guess. I'm going to hazard a guess here. And it's kind of cool. His, uh, for, I guess his nickname for short is going to be Taz, which is really cool. Um, so Tasman Kakoa Kala would be my guess. That's way better than I had like a Kaka. And it's, I'm, I'm so sorry, Kaleo. I, I don't mean to slaughter any names, but well, it's what I do best. <laughs> it doesn't uh, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue until you get the hang of it. But um, yeah, right. congratulations, Kaleo. Fantastic. And uh, let's hope that is your best creation yet. Absolutely. Um, man, yep. that, that was pretty corny. <laughs> yeah, it was, but we'll let it go. It's what we do best. Please do. Please do. Okay, so um, we just had a holiday, I believe. Yep, yep uh, we just had a couple of them. According had, to my had, calendar. Yeah, I, I had to flip mine over um, while I was nursing the hangover on January 1st. So, But that was more of a hangover of overeating than anything else. Yeah, so. me too, man. It wasn't about uh, alcohol at all this Christmas. It was about uh, pigging out. It was crazy. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a good thing that um, in the gift range, my family gave me some stretchy pants, and that's all that I've been wearing. <laughs> did we talk about your stretchy pants a few months ago? <laughs> I think we did, and that's when I—I I don't—I can't remember if I revealed it on this show or if it was in a conversation with friends about me at one point trying to borrow my wife's maternity pants when we were going out to buffets and stuff. <laughs> that is terrible, Matt. That's terrible. Okay, uh, let's let's uh, move on here. Um, so the question is: Did you did you get any woodworking stuff for Christmas? I did, you know, and of course, I, I want to give a huge thank you to my family for being so generous. But, of course, there were things that were at the top of the list that somehow they seemed to overlook. <laughs> they were right there at the top, highlighted. I think I sent multiple emails regarding these things, <laughs> so they didn't get them. But, you know, the things they did they did get for me, I'm very grateful for. There's a couple of them that, you know, um, one of them actually is kind of funny. It's like, uh, have you ever seen those anti-vibration anti gloves? I don't know if you, if you own them, if you ever had the problem with them. But, I don't have uh, them, but I, I believe I've seen them in, in catalogs. Yeah, well, I actually happen to I happen to have gotten a pair, and I, I tried them out, and, and I think they actually work, but I'm not convinced that it's so much due to the special gel padding inside, because <laughs> if that's gel, apparently it all dried up before it got to my house. So. Nice, nice. <laughs> but essentially, they're like, they look like just workout gloves, but I, the one thing I did like, I was doing some sanding, and I did notice that my hands didn't feel as fatigued, so... Huge thank you to my family. I think that means that they want me to do more, so... There you go. <laughs> those might set aside. And the other big gift that I, I received was 
Um, I've been complaining for the longest time that I need a, a decent moisture meter because the one that I bought uh, was on eBay and it was some Chinese company and I got it for like 20 bucks and I don't know why it doesn't work. It might have something to do with the 20 bucks. <laughs> nice. So they got me a, uh, um, a, a way better one than the other one was and I'm really happy it's the timber check meter and it's really it's, – it's basically – this is as low-tech as it gets. I mean – it kind of makes sense since I can't even forget how to use an RSS feeder for getting up blogs. <laughs> right. <laughs> but those were those were my two biggest ones other than I, I got a brand new microphone that everybody's listening to. So if my voice sounds different, that's why. That's why. <laughs> if it sounds uh, 10% sexier, now you know why. That's right. And don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a good score, though, man. That's pretty cool. So have you been running yeah. around like sticking everything with the moisture meter to test it out or what? Uh, yes, I have, and it, it's so funny because I've, I've been noting to people. I'm like, when you get your project, you'll notice these two little prongs. Uh, they look like snake bites or vampire bites, uh, but it's Just not. Ignore it's, those. Don't mind them. <laughs> exactly, and I'm not filling them in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so, how about you? Did you get anything good under the uh, wood whisperer tree? You know, it was uh, it, as far as woodworking stuff goes. It was a bust. Uh, the, the, what? The, yeah, you know, the thing is, things change once you do it for a living. And my family doesn't find it very fun to buy me tax deductible gifts. Um, (laughs) You know, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I did ask for a few things. I think I put the router plane on the list and uh, I think I had a certain set of special chisels. I think for like hand tool stuff, I always find hand tool stuff to be great for, for gifts. And even though I may do this professionally, you know, it's not like I've got hand tool sponsors or anything like that. And, and the hand tools aren't, aren't really, it's that labor of love kind of thing. It's not something that I make my money with necessarily. So, um, you know, I, I was still expecting it to be just like every other, uh, Christmas. And I, I should have remembered cause even last, even last Christmas, I don't think I got anything woodworking related for that same reason. So, um, I think I need to give up on, on that dream and just, you know, realize that if I'm going to buy something, I buy it under the business name and, uh, keep the receipt and, and, you know, do what I'm supposed yeah. to do. So, um, yeah, that sounds familiar. My my wife has her photography business. I've talked about, and that was the same way for the longest time. I bought her all sorts of stuff. I got a backdrop. Look at this one. It looks like a Venetian canal. Yeah, and all this stuff. And now it's like one of those. You want what? No, 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 no. Your business will be picking that up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then I guess you know if you're doing something you love for a living, though, you know it doesn't matter whether it's a gift or whether you buy it as a business purchase. I still get excited when I've got you know a certain tool uh, as a oh, gift. Oh hell so. yeah. You know, whether I buy it for myself or someone buys it for me, it's still exciting. So um, yep. so to make myself feel better uh, after Christmas, I did purchase a couple things. And I actually picked up that number seven uh, plane that you and I had discussed. And oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, couldn't be happier with it and uh, proceeded to flatten uh, my workbench with it, for which was a first for me. Um, oh, nuts! Did, yeah. uh, did you get the uh, how the muscles doing? Are they like peeking Dude, out a little bit? Let me tell you. I mean, I'm I'm fully recovered now. This was a couple of weeks ago, but um, I, I just was not prepared for how much that would hit. You know, the muscle groups you don't normally use. So, <laughs> um, wow, yeah, I was hurting, and you know, to, oh, yeah. to make matters worse, we got the Nintendo Wii for uh, for Christmas. So. The, the funny thing was Nicole was complaining about her shoulder hurting from playing, you know, bowling or golf or boxing or whatever we were doing. Um, you know, and I'm like, ah, I'm really sore, too. And I'm like, from playing this stupid game, are you kidding me? And then I realized <laughs> I had actually planed the bench the day before as well. So I'm going to say that it was from the bench, <laughs> that the pain was from the bench, not from playing a silly game. 
Um, and, and also because you don't have high score on the Wii, is that what it is too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the bench top flattening was awesome. Uh, it made me want to kick myself for going through the trouble of um, making the the whole router uh, sled trick that I had done the first time I made the bench, and it was it was a good learning experience, and it was a really cool, clever way to flatten the bench top with a router. Um, but it seemed like an awful lot of work, you know, to to get that whole thing ready when I could have just you know, picked up a number seven and had had it done within a couple hours, um, right. you know, and, and have that sort of, I don't know, there's just something satisfying when you accomplish something with the hand tools that you uh, may have accomplished in the past using power tools. Um, so yep. there's a certain satisfaction there. So um, it went great. Um, I mean, it may not be 100% dead flat and, you know, to absolute perfection, but for my purposes, it's certainly good enough. And, and I, I got the experience and that's what, what was really exciting about it. So um, sweet, very happy with the results. The number seven was a good recommendation. So thank you. Excellent. Absolutely. Now, did you get the Lee Nielsen version or the Veritas version? I went with Lee Nielsen um, because most of my other uh, planes that I have are Lee Nielsen. So I figured, you know, my, part of my problem is needing things to match and have similar brands, which is insane, but that's just the way I am. Uh, that's okay. I walk out of my my workshop. I have to flick the lights off three or four times, otherwise the world will end. I don't know if people know that. <laughs> Do you have to walk out and walk back in and walk out and walk back in like three times too? <laughs> no, I can't do that because the frill on the rug that's out front will get messed up, and then I got to spend all that time combing it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. That's that's sick, but that's uh, the way. I am sometimes, but um, the other right thing, with you. I think it has to be a woodworker trait. I know so many woodworkers that are like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, the other thing, did you get a chance to read uh, Chris Schwartz's book? Work not yet. You know, I picked it up. I flipped through it so many times and yeah. I swear every single time I sit down to actually read it, suddenly we have chaos in the house. So mm-hmm. no, <laughs> okay. I did read the extra chapter though. That was on his blog, which right. I finally was able to download the other day. Cool. Of the RSS feed thing. <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's, um, it's fantastic. Uh, I did a little review on the site and, um, I, I don't think I've ever read a woodworking publication like it was a book. You know, most of the time it's uh, it's completely and totally a reference, and I read reference books very differently than I read you know books for entertainment, fiction, and nonfiction things like that. Um, this to me actually read more like a book. You know what I would consider you know um, a sit down and you know cuddle up with a blanket and coffee kind of book um, right. versus a reference book. Um, it, the way he tells the story and describes what's going on, and and it's almost autobiographical at the same time. Um, just becomes, you know, this amazing resource, but entertaining at the same time. Um, Excellent. So it is absolutely a reference book and should stay on your shelf as a reference book, um, but palatable in the sense that you can actually sit down and it, you know, excuse me, I'm not a huge reader, first of all, um, but for me to be glued to any book is a miracle, you know, let alone a woodworking book, you know, that I just can't, right. I can't put down and I want to get to the next chapter, you know, so... <laughs> Um, right, yeah, you're looking for that one specific thing, and you know you want the cross index that's going to be like, I am looking for you know yeah, this, and it's yeah. right there. Yeah, and when you need that information, you look it up, you turn to the page, you read it, and you close the book. Uh, but this isn't like that. So when you get a chance, man, go through it. You're going to love it, and it's going to really sort of redefine 
the way that you look at workbenches and the way that they're uh, the way that they're built. So excellent, yeah, because that's one of my resolutions. Anybody that's heard the show recently, I, that's what I was talking about my New Year's resolutions, and one of them is I need a new workbench, and that was one of the main reasons why I got Christopher Schwartz's book. Because I'm like, dude, I'm going to read that, and I'm going to make the best damn workbench, and everybody's going to be so damn jealous, and then I'm going to want to build another one because I'm going <laughs> to somehow CD, and I'm going to have to have all these workbenches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of uh, of Chris, did you see? I guess the woodworking magazine uh, is having some sort of an announcement on f- tomorrow. While well, we're recording I, this Thursday, for anyone who can't, uh, who doesn't realize that, uh, for release on Friday. So hopefully, by the time people are hearing this, they'll know about this announcement. Did you Did you get that notice? I did get the notice that there was going to be an announcement. Yeah, and that's like one of those. I'm going to have a hard time sleeping tonight. I mean, literally. <laughs> What's it going to be? Yeah, what's going to be is it free for everybody? Like free tools? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think what we should do is in the show notes, we'll we'll put the links to. Um, I think they have a free. Uh, like one of the that maybe it's issue number two. I think is free yeah, online. Number, yeah, absolutely. They can download it and check it out. Totally free, and it's a great magazine if you haven't checked it out. It you know, really it, is. It's, yeah, for the hand tool enthusiasts and even those who are like maybe on the edge. And I think for a lot of power tool people, you might actually look at it and go, oh, shit, you can do that with a hand tool. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's actually like no other magazine out there. I mean, the, there's no no advertising, you know, so it's it's just pure, uh, you know, unfiltered information. Um, and it's it's just a really good publication. And I'm uh, keeping my fingers crossed that there's some good news uh, tomorrow so or today, depending on when you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, yep. So we'll... Same. We'll put the links in there, sign up for uh, the newsletter and, uh, you know, check out the woodworking, uh, woodworking magazine blog that Chris runs is fantastic. I mean, that's another thing that his, his posts read more like magazine articles than uh, standard blog posts too, you know. Yep, absolutely. They're a great read. It's even before I had the RSS thing, I was heading over there and <laughs> checked it out. So, of course, he also has now his uh, another personal blog over at was it Lost Art Press, if I remember right, mm-hmm. and that's another great one for everything hand tool. And uh, yeah, yeah, so it's like if you can't get enough, just head over to anything Chris Schwartz. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a good writer, definitely a good writer. So, um, the other thing I wanted to ask if you heard, I just heard this yesterday. Uh, we've talked about the Woodworking Channel in the past. Mm-hmm. And right. how it's been kind of uh, sucking lately and that they haven't really added much in the way of new programming. And, you know, sometimes depending on what computer and, and what stars are in line with what moons, um, <laughs> you know, you might not be able to get the video to work. Um, but if you go to the woodworkingchannel.com, you'll see a little message that explains that they are uh, renovating um, and, you know, a part in our dust kind of sign and that they are developing a new, um, you know, user oriented uh you know site that uh sort of leads me to believe that it's going to be something um somewhere between a a cross between youtube and lumberjocks oh nice that'd be interesting to check out yeah i would imagine they have to they're going to continue a focus on programming and video but they're talking about user generated content and community features uh, which, like I said, sounds like Lumberjocks mixed with YouTube. And I, I know Lumberjocks does let you do video and stuff on there already. So I wonder right. if, I wonder if it's going to be a direct competition for Lumberjocks. <laughs> oh, man. That's all we need is more competition amongst woodworkers. I yeah. mean, like, there's, there's not enough forums out there. We can get some heated <laughs> debates going on. And <laughs> I know, but, I know. But still, either way, even if they do come out with another one, it's just another reason why I got to get that crap off my desk at work so I can spend more time on the computer. It's too much, man. I mean, we this brings up a good point. I was trying to figure this out, and I was talking to uh, Nicole about it the other day. 
is there was there a sort of resurgence or or um I don't know, just a, a inflation of woodworking and woodworking information on the web for 2007? Or is it just because I'm involved in it so much that I'm, you know, my view is tainted a little bit um, and that it's the way it's always been with just a little bit more activity? Yeah, you know, that's a good question because I've thought about that myself. It, it really, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm convinced that it's just like one of those I'd love to think that we're trying – like I'm a trendsetter. Well, I know you're a trendsetter. That way I said it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know, just along you – know, like, did, did this thing really kind of get booming as a result of these things coming out? But I'm convinced that maybe it's more or less like one of those I just wasn't looking in the right spots. Yeah. But with that said, I, if anybody wants to give me full credit, you full credit, us full credit <laughs> – We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. Well, it seems like, you know, not just the um, the podcasting thing, but the blogging videos have certainly exploded in 2007. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, the stuff wasn't really around before then, but I was pretty active on the web and forums and just looking for woodworking content for the past, you know, three or four years, um, maybe even longer. But now, it just seems like, like I said, I'm not really actively out there searching. It's just it all seems to come across my my table every day. Um, but I, I mean, it seems like there was an explosion in 2007. Um, I'd be interested to hear if anyone uh, has a perspective on that who may have been, you know, into the hobby, you know, longer than I have and, and might have a better perspective. Because if that's the case, if there really was this sort of online explosion of, and popularity, that's awesome. Because yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see things like the sewing podcasts and um, you know knitting and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that are like have this amazing new trend. You know, sort of it's it's the cool thing to do, I guess. People mm-hmm. knit, um, and 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 I think it's hilarious, but people really love doing it. You know, and I think it would be so cool if that sort of um, youthful, energetic resurgence occurred in the world of woodworking. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 maybe that's exactly it. It's like one of those things where there was like a, you know, many of us actually kind of hiding behind our workshop doors and not really admitting that we are, you know, woodworkers. Because <laughs> I know within my own circle of friends, or my circle of friends, I should say, with my quotation marks, um, the idea really that a, I. Is it really a triangle of friends, Matt? Are there only uh, three? It's, actually, it's actually like one other guy. And, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a straight line of friends. <laughs> yeah. And, well, then there's my wife's friends who all just kind of look at me and they look at her and they're like, we're so sorry. We really are. <laughs> you know, but it's it's like that that whole thing with woodworking. Everybody I know, all, all the young people are like they associate woodworking with old people, old yeah. guys and stuff like that. So it's almost like I wonder if it's kind of like one of those. All right. Well, I'm behind my computer screen. Nobody can really see me unless yeah. I do a video. <laughs> So right. it's okay to be cool, and then now that they see this, it's like one of those, yeah, I I could be out there and everything. So well, yeah, I would think that a lot of people, you know, DIY is huge, right? That's been for years now. Um, yeah, everybody wants to have the pride of doing a project themselves and not paying someone else to do it. And I think woodworking for a lot of people is just a natural extension of that or part of it. Um, so you get that little taste. Maybe you're installing some baseboard or you know a laminate floor or something, and you start to realize, wow, this is actually kind of fun. I wonder what else I could do with this, uh, you know, this eighty dollar miter saw that I just bought. Um, right. <laughs> you know. So then they start doing some research and realize, oh, I can actually do this. Oh, there's plans out there. Oh my, look at this. There's a website dedicated to this stuff. And all of a sudden, you you sort of bring out that dormant excitement that was in there and just needed a, a reason or a motivation to uh, to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I that's I mean that's how most. Of it, I know you got started that way. That's how I got started. It yeah. was like one of, 
you know, I'm going to do these home repairs. I want to do a little something extra. The one thing that gets me is it seems like um, there seems to be a huge resurgence of like hand tool. Uh And maybe it's because I'm getting more involved in it. And again, maybe it's one of those I I really never noticed the resources before. But it's like one of those, you know, I, I did that one article talking about like the CEOs who are learning to relax by working wood and stuff like that. Yeah. And so there's like all these, you know, there are. Lee Valley and uh, Lee Nielsen are both like the two high-end hand tool makers, and it's really like, are they really advertising that much that you know all these other people are coming into it? And it's like you know woodworking is no longer like this loud noise and everything else. You can kind of do it this way, or you know, with kind of you know go back to the quieter times. I don't right, know, man. Right. Kind of stretched there a little bit, but it, that also seems to kind of be going along with this. So I'm assuming sure. the two. Two waves must be like from the same point, basically. Well, and the other thing you have, if you figure, um, you know, you and I, or you know, more more specifically, me, I think, followed this trend where I got into it and I was able to get some power tools right away. You know, so I start cutting wood, getting into the hobby, and then a few years later, you start to feel like you're missing something because you never went in what I guess in traditionally would have been, you know, the right way would have been starting with the hand tools first. And then learning how to do things easier using power, but you've got those skills locked away. Um, right. If you figure there's this whole new generation of woodworkers coming in, uh, younger people getting into the hobby, they may be the power tool generation. So what winds up happening is they get deeper and deeper into the hobby. It may take a few years, but they realize what they're missing in their training. You know, So right. maybe that's why so many people are going back and going, hey, wait, these hand tools are actually kind of cool. How can, how can this help me? What can I you know, learn uh, about hand tools now. Um, right. so it, it, that, you know, that could be part of it too, is just sort of filling in the gaps in, in our knowledge as uh hobby woodworkers. Yeah, I could easily see that. Or if there's one other thing, my theory, I'm going to, I'm going to totally throw this one out there, but you know, we seem to be wanting to get more in shape and everything. And the power tool generation, and like when, when like they were first coming out, it was just kind of like one of those, look, I can cut this this piece of uh, two by four in half in no time at all. Yeah. Go get my stick, have my smoke, and uh, drink a quart of whiskey before lunch kind of a thing. <laughs> and now everybody's like, well, if I do this with a hand plane, I'm getting a little bit of an aerobic exercise here. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to think that that's the reason, and I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately <laughs> Everybody that's seen my videos know that that's no matter how much planing I do, this ain't going away. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, well, I was thinking about that planing, and I'm like, man, I, a couple days of this, and uh, you know, you're going to get a pretty good upper body workout there. At least your your shoulders is not not too bad. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm usually like. Uh, see, I've got a tabletop to plane this weekend, so I better schedule that massage for Monday. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and hey, you know what? I wanted to uh, give you a a little congratulations because uh, you are crested over the two-year mark for um, Matt's Basement Workshop, right? Yeah, absolutely. Coming up on January 26th. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I, I'm going to be entering the terrible twos. Now, I promise it's not going to be terrible other than, you know, <laughs> there have been some calls for the changing of the host, but um, <laughs> not that's happen. not happening. Well, uh-uh. No, no. I'm, I'm keeping it. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I, yeah. I I listened to your last episode. Now, you're, you're considering toying with um, a little bit of a different format maybe with a video every week? 
I've, I've thought about it. You know, it, it's really one of those podcasting has been evolving so much. I mean, it, you hear shows constantly evolve, you know, and go from one format to another. I mean, what I started out with, like, one episode a week. Yeah. And then then I tried those at that era when I did the five uh, five days a week. And that mm-hmm. was just like one of those. That was insane. Yeah. I, I got to the point that I was almost like in, in between a sentence, I just wanted to do like a cliffhanger and just drop it off so then I could <laughs> use that for the next episode. Right. So that was one thing I was thinking is a lot of times I know – when I'm trying to discuss a topic, there are certain topics that there, it just – no matter how much I try to explain, how much detail I go into, there are certain things that would just be so much better with a video. So I've been toying with that idea of trying to do a video a week, but I'm still thinking with time constraints and everything. I don't know if I'll have be able to do it, but I'm, I'm going I'm to give it a damn good shot. That's for sure. So sure. Yeah, give it a shot yeah. and uh, you know, don't, don't promise anything. Just do what you can do, and I think people will love it. Exactly. So that's more or less like one of those, you know, hey, if you see it, you see it. If you don't, um, yeah, well, take a look at my pictures. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, that's cool. That so, sounds exciting, man. Yeah, definitely. And the, the nice thing is, of course, the, the most popular feature, I've got to put a plug in there for this, is, of course, Router Bit of the Month. And oh, the, yeah. I got great news from uh, Woodcraft and uh, Whiteside Machine Company, and they want to continue doing it. So that means I get 12 more Router Bits for the year. And on top of it, uh, there's 12 lucky listeners are going to chance to win one also. So that's really exciting. Except now I actually have to use those router bits to maybe make a case to put my router bits in because <laughs> I'm tired of them just laying around on the workbench, you know, and falling down, getting broken, all that yeah. good stuff. Well, hey, they're they're good bits too, man. That's that's a way to build your collection. That's fantastic. So some lucky winners yeah. over there, get up, uh, go sign up because that's those things aren't cheap. <laughs> no, definitely not. There there's they're some great ones. So yeah. very thankful for that. And I, I just you know as I said on my own show, it's I want to thank everybody that's been listening to the show. Um, you know, it, it went from like there was me and my wife. Well, then my wife quit, and then there was me, and then there was like Ski, who's been with me forever, and then eventually there was also you, and then yeah. like uh, four, four other guys, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty big now, though. I mean, uh, the, the popularity's picked up. And hey, have you heard from Ski in a while? No, I haven't. I was just thinking that the other day. In fact, when I was coming on uh, Skype here, I, I saw Ski was up there, and I was going to say something, and then I noticed you were up, and I'm like, oh, I'll just talk to Mark. I'll catch Ski later on. So, Ski, if you're out there, haven't heard from you in a long time, buddy. What's going on? Yeah, man. Get in touch. It's been months. All right. Well, um, I think we jabbered on long enough about our, our personal crap. Uh, I think we can do a couple emails here before uh, we call it a show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess that is a good reason. I mean, we did kind of start doing the show for that whole reason. But. Yeah, and you know what? We've we've got plenty of them. Uh, we're only going to take two or three here tonight, um, but uh, we've we've got we've got some homework to do here. So I think maybe All next right. week we might try and get a um, trying to get Tom set up with a better microphone so his voice is a little clearer. He's got a little bit of a raspy voice to begin with, and if he doesn't have a good microphone, um, it's hard to understand him sometimes. <laughs> it sounds like sandpaper on the wall, basically. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're trying to get him set up with a better mic, and uh, hopefully next week we'll have him on the show. Uh, but anywho, we've got an email here from uh, David. And All right. David writes in and says, uh, there was interesting discussion recently in Woodwork Magazine about, hey, we were just talking about that, right? Is that Woodwork? Yeah, is that Woodworking Wait, uh, Magazine or is no, yeah, it's Woodworking Magazine, and then... What, there's wood, another one, Woodwork Magazine, right? Uh, there's Wood, and then... I think there's a Woodwork Magazine. I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think there is, actually. It, it, there's every, you know, there's probably Woodworked, probably out there. <laughs> Woodworks. Woodworks. <laughs> <laughs> Woodworking, okay. Yeah, uh, well, he says Woodwork, and we'll take his word for it. Uh, he says there was a um, discussion about the ethicality is that even a word is what he says that's a word that i would use (laughs) sounds good to me uh 
of one woodworker copying another woodworker's design for profit. I know that it's a common practice for hobbyists to build a piece of furniture based on a picture that they saw somewhere uh, for their own personal use. I do this myself. But what about a professional? If a client comes to you with a picture of something that they want you to recreate, is it ethical to do that? Someone else designed that piece. Once you build something and sell it, do you own that design or is it part of the public domain for everyone to reproduce? There were a lot of passionate opinions expressed in the letters to the editor section in this issue of Woodwork Magazine, so I'm interested to hear your take on this issue as well. Thanks, and keep up the great work. Dave, um, well, right. I mean, I think the problem is there's there's the realistic factor, and that would be, can you defend it even if it was, a, you know, even if you could copyright a design, are you capable of defending it? Um, right. You know, so, I mean, there is some legal lo- logistics here, um, that have to be overcome as well. But his question is primarily ethical. Um, so mm-hmm. regardless of what the law says, is it ethical? Um, and that's that's tricky. I can see why people would fall on both sides of the argument. Um, you know, if, if it is for profit, anytime I've made something that was an exact copy of someone else's, or even if it was, you know, noticeably similar, but I've changed mm-hmm. a few things, I actually will include that person's name in the title I mean, most a lot of people name their uh, furniture if they're, uh, you know, building a piece that's sort of artistic. Um, and if I give it a name, it will include that person's name in the title. Um, okay. So I built, you know, one of David Marks's uh, um, bar stools that he had made, and it's a little bit different, different wood and slightly different construction. Um, but it was David Marks inspired bar stool. You know, it wasn't Mark Spagnolo's uh, bar stool. It was uh, I included the artist's name. Now, to me, that pretty much covered my feelings on, on the, you know, the ethics of the whole thing. I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong. I gave the man credit. Um, and it was a reproduction selling it and not giving the person credit, or maybe you're just selling it. And the person you're selling it to doesn't give a crap where it came from. They just want that piece of furniture. I don't know, man. What what do you think about that? Yeah. I, I think you're with what you were saying about like, you know, um, how, how you actually named it and everything like that. That's the one thing I was thinking is, you know, if you if you have somebody who goes out there and actually takes the piece and then somehow starts to claim that it's their original idea, that's where I think you've crossed the line because it, it's you, when it comes down to it, really, I think every design that's out there is essentially building off of an original design of somebody else's. Right. And so, as long as you give credit to where credit is due, it, it seems like it's okay. But when you know when it comes down to um, like just you know your client wants this and they don't care anything you know where it comes from or how you do it kind of a thing. Well, they're going to care where it comes from because they came to you for that reason, right? But but you know they're not so concerned about it. You know at that point, I think it's it, that that really doesn't. I don't think you're really crossing an ethical boundary. Now this is definitely going to be one of those hot topics because sure. he's absolutely right. I mean there, I've seen a couple of forums where people are just hot under the collar about this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know. the, the the thing is, you, you make a piece of furniture and one dude in one little shop, you know, in uh, who cares where, um, exactly. you know, reproduces it and sells it for a few thousand bucks. You really want some of that dude's money? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it really something you're going to go after? Um, now, if you produce a design and next thing you know, you see it being sold in Walmart, you know, for a hundred bucks and it's your exact design that might be something that I would, you know, get annoyed about. Now, good luck fighting it, but, um, you know, it would be something that would be like, man, now that's, that's a, that's a pisser right there. Um, yep. but I, I don't know. I mean, one dude just, just making it and selling it. It's, I mean, the problem is 
it's really hard to find something that truly is like you were just saying, truly an original design in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, and who's to say, I mean, if you open that, that can of worms, everybody's going to be accusing everybody of stealing something. It's, it's basically like, you know, the, the ridiculousness that's going on with copyrights in the world, you know, and all other things in terms of uh, music or, uh, you know, a, a company copywriting or, um, you know, a certain process or a certain technology. Um, it's just the copyright system is just so ridiculously flawed in this country to see that extend into furniture and woodworking would, I think would just be horrible. Um, but yep. then again, I don't want to see it abused either. You know, right. so it, it's a tough call. I'm, I'm, I'm standing firmly on the fence. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm right there with you. Move on over. Cause yeah. <laughs> The way I look at it is, you're right. Every, everything is uh, uh, building up of something, somebody else's original idea. I mean, the chair. Let's get serious. The original chair, like a rock or a stump. So, right. you know, you got you got to go all the way back to you know nature is the original one. And seriously, I mean, it's like designers for uh, dresses and stuff like that. I mean, the people that walked down the red, you know, uh, for the Oscars and everything on the red carpet. You know, the very next day, all those designers are having their stuff redone. Right. So as long as you don't claim that it's your own unique, you know, original design. Um, you know what I say, as long as you give it where credit is due, then I, th- I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's like, it's in a way it's kind of like music, you know, where you have a, a arrangement of notes and it's not like you can copyright the notes. You're copywriting the arrangement of the notes and you can't copyright wood. You're, you're copywriting the arrangement of the wood. Um, and that becomes great because there's a lot of room for interpretation. Um, how many things on that piece of furniture does someone have to change before it's no longer the same? You know, yep, or exactly. before before it's no longer something that you consider to be uh, your design. Um, you know, think about uh, famous chefs who may come up with amazing dishes that are very unique. Um, you know, should someone else be able to to take inspiration from that dish and sell it in their restaurant? You know, right. have good luck proving that it's the same recipe. Right. So, yeah. um, I just happened to accidentally knock the salt just the right amount into the dish while I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, very, very good question. Thanks for sending that in, Dave. Um, yep. A lot of food for thought there, and we would be interested in hearing anybody else's perspective on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep them, have the stuff come in. You know where to send it. Woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on to another email here. We have Brian says, uh, great show. Keep up the good work. I think Matt's situation is similar, though, probably not as severe as mine, but how about some discussion on ways to save space in a small shop? My shop in my basement is about 12 by 13 and contains my table saw, workbench, drill press, router table, roll-around dust collector, a few cabinets to hold various benchtop tools. Um, he lists all of those. And taking up a, a large part of one corner, a hot water heater. Now, I can turn around as long as I'm not holding anything bigger than a drill. Any suggestions on saving space would be appreciated. Oh, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he's got a 12 by 13 room, and it has all that stuff in there. What I'm thinking here is, oh, man, there's the, one of the issues of, and I think I've seen it a couple of times, uh, Fine Woodworking Magazine, their uh, uh, shops and tools, what was it? The tools, t- shops and tools and shops, I think. Uh, yeah, that one. There is a, there's a, great article about two three years ago i think it was where basically you had like a one car garage and uh he was like showing how everything worked you know just flowed through there like the workbench was right up against the back of the table saw and i know i've done this for myself so that it's like as i am taking you know making large cuts on my table saw maybe with plywood or just a long board it can just go right off of the uh, table saw onto the workbench so it acts as a roll-off cart you know all sorts of stuff like that the one thing I'm thinking is you need to get really, really ingenious 
about um, using what little space is there. So underneath the workbench is a, a prime spot for putting a lot of storage. A lot of people don't really think about that one because it's like it's under the workbench. It's kind of out of sight, but it's right. a it's a perfect spot for setting up, you know, some sort of drawer system where you can put things in there. And speaking of drawers, even within drawers, rather than having just one large compartment, think about like, you know, maybe compartmentalizing that large compartment. You'd be amazed at how if you kind of put just not even like really intricate dividers, just simply if you have a long drawer, let's say like, you know, 36 inches long or something, Mm -hmm. you could really divide that up so that you've kind of got smaller things at one end, medium at the, you know, in the middle or just one larger one or something. So that's when you have to start thinking a little bit smaller. Um, Also in a a small basement shop or even a small garage shop, uh, overhead is the ideal place to put things because, well, it's overhead and it's out of your way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just make sure you got a stool that you can kind of get up there and grab things like that. And I know even in my basement workshop, not so much at this house, but at my previous house, I actually took advantage of the open space up in my joist to kind of, you know, just set up like a like a temporary like a a little bit of a shelf or something where I could maybe either store lumber or like uh, my long clamps. I would actually kind of put them up in there. You know, this is an original idea. I know I've stole it from somebody else, but you know, just little things like that. It's whenever you look around, you want to get that workflow going sure. and you know, just steal little things here and there for storage ideas. Definitely. Um, yeah. If there's an open spot, you know, there's a chance you could easily put something there and uh, you know, it, it you know, obviously, you still need room though to, to assemble things, but you kind of get where I'm going with it. Like, I know even under a table saw, you could essentially maybe put something underneath there if you have like an open cabinet saw, or not cabinet saw, but a contractor saw with an open stand. Right. You know, you can put stuff around there. That's that is one thing I'm definitely going to be tackling in this show. It's another one of my New Year's resolutions is to come up with some more of these great storage ideas. Um, I know that so there's a ton of them out there. So if anybody has them, by all means, you know, hey, send them to us so I can steal them. I mean, borrow them. That, there you go. Um, you know, speaking, you did bring up fine woodworking. Um, they have the one thing, and I'm not doing a sales pitch here by any means, but a lot of times when I, I have a topic and I'm like, you know, I've seen an article on that at some point in the past. I can't remember where, and I want some, you know, a reliable resource. I go to the website and search for it. Now, I recommend that he does this. They actually have a tab that you uh, can click on on the top that says workshop. And I remember seeing um, articles on roll around shops and shops where the whole thing is designed where everything fits under the work tables around the outside. And there's so many good ideas there. And I know if you go there and you start searching, you're going to find articles that are um, not available unless you're a member. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't, I I hesitate to send people there for that reason. Um, So I'm going to sort of preface that, uh, you know, with it, it, it's well worth it. If you are really looking for this type of information a lot to get that membership, it's cheap. And you have access to every fine woodworking magazine article ever written. Um, you yep. just search for it, and boom, it's right there in a PDF form. Um, and I'm seeing right now on the workshop homepage is a special feature: build it now, dead flat assembly table with Mark Spagnolo. That's oh, awesome. who is that guy? I've heard that guy before. He's a joker. I don't know, but he's good looking. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> but there is. I'm looking right here. It says workshop articles and videos. Set up shop for $5,000, an efficient garage workshop, turning a parking place into a great shop space, a workshop that doubles as a classroom, unique workshop solutions, setting up shop. I mean, there's all this stuff just sitting there. Now, some of it's probably free, and then obviously uh, a good portion of it is going to be paid material too. 
Um, so definitely something to consider. Uh, the online subscription is an excellent investment in my humble opinion. And my humble opinion also, I can't tell you how many times I have actually used it. So seriously, people, um, you know, it, it is, it's a great one. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, but if you can afford it, which it's, it's well worth it. It's worth a subscription. Sure. <laughs> All right. And we've got another one here from Tony. Um, hey, Tony, what's up? Tony. And this was, I don't, I don't know if he's got, so he's got a lot of comments. I don't know how many questions, but uh, Tony um, has his own blog. He's actually uh, one of the Wood Whisperer Network members. So go check that out. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah. He says, hey, guys, I'm sitting here listening to episode 26, and a couple of things immediately come to mind. Episode 26, that was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're on 27. 27 so today. Me... Oh. Wonderful. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I, read, <laughs> I read that thread on WoodNet that compared David Marks to, uh, to Mark, and he says, Mark, you're right. Enough said. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, I got the Christopher Shores workbench book uh, for Christmas. I was off the entire week, Christmas week, as well as Monday and Tuesday. I finished reading it yesterday. Matt, you're going to love this book. That's where I'm headed to right after we're done here. I'm ignoring the kids. We're going right into the book. Ah, They can shower themselves and put themselves to sleep and feed themselves. Don't worry about it. That's right. It's time they start taking care of themselves. They're getting jobs tomorrow. It is. What are they, at least four? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's old enough, right? Um, Yeah, exactly. Okay. And he says, number three, you guys were talking about hand planes, and I have a Sergeant number seven joiner plane with a corrugated sole. Um, My skill edge joining, boy, I said that wrong, huh? Uh, Yeah, that sounds like a madism. (laughs) My skill edge jointing with this plane is non-existent. Would adding a fence to the the plane be a good thing to add? And if so, where can I find one? Thanks a lot, Tony V. Um, I don't know. I haven't really edge jointed with a plane, even though I just got my number seven. So I guess what he's saying is his his results aren't very good because he can't keep um he can't keep the plane uh perpendicular to the right. face of the board maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, very common problem. A lot of people run into it. I yeah. still struggle from time to time, but that's cuz I have uh weak wrists. Weak wrists. Nice. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um have you ever used a, a a fence on a on a plane like that before? Uh, yes, actually, I, I do. I have um, a, uh, a brand new um, uh, uh, <laughs> joiner fence right. that I picked up at Veritas. It's not so much brand new now. I got it a couple of years ago, but um, I do have one. I got I got really really good results from it right out of the box. I mean, it was it just set it up, and it has like these uh, rare earth magnets on the side, so it attaches to you just about any any. Um, plane that you have and it, it works great even like with my number five i have actually used it with my number four a couple of times when i needed to kind of touch up a uh, shorter board and it, it really does it, it improves it immediately now my only complaint with most uh joiner fences not just the veritas one but i've seen uh, a few other ones that you could pick up like on ebay or something some of the original ones uh, is that they tend to be a little bit um I'll, I'll say wider so so unfortunately if you're trying to joint like kind of a a narrower board that fence actually can kind of get in the way so it inhibits it a little bit but for what it does do though it it does it extremely well and on top of it you can actually add like you know wedges or something so if you have a 45 degree you could actually you know edge joint it using this just put that little wedge on there and uh you know attach it with a couple of screws put it onto your the side of your joiner and off you go huh okay go ahead sorry oh i was gonna say the one thing is uh 
and uh, it, a technique that I, I've been trying to teach myself, and I'm starting to get really decent results with it, is the uh, the good old fashioned knuckle uh, uh, example, where you kind of you wrap your hand around the the toe, and you put your knuckle under there, and you use your knuckle like the fence, and it hmm. takes a little practice. And you get it, but you also get a burned knuckle in the process. <laughs> you you wear your uh, your skin down to the bone. That's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, not having really done it before, I can see how if you have a pre-milled board that's mostly there, you know, and you just mm-hmm. want to fine-tune it so that it's dead on uh, flat, you don't have to worry about, you know, being completely square and perpendicular to the face. But if you don't, let's say you're working with rough material, you flattened a face, and now you want to put a straight edge onto one side. It unless you're really good and you've been doing this for a long time, wouldn't you really need a fence? I mean, how are you going to get that to be square um, if you're anywhere in the range of beginner to intermediate? You know, right? Yeah, no, the the fence definitely is um, even not even so much a beginner to in- intermediate uh, to some degree with somebody who's been doing it for a while. A fence will make it easy right out of the box. Like with the whole thing with the the, uh, the knuckle process, unfortunately, um, you can actually screw it up quite quite easily. I've done it a few times now. Sure, but that, that joiner fence it does it right. I mean, seriously, as soon as you put it on on your joiner, you'll you'll get you know good results from it almost immediately. The hardest part is actually getting the blade you know perfectly perpendicular in the in the mouth itself uh, with the yes. fence okay. and and then once you get going you're you're perfectly fine so cool yeah well there you go so it's it's not too bad so tony definitely if you're interested i would uh, take a look around and look for a uh, joiner fence so that you can start getting those really good results that you want do you know where he can get one because he asked that as well i don't i have no idea does lee valley oh, yeah, sell them? Uh, yeah lee valley sells them veritas uh, the manufacturing version of our portion of uh, lee valley so i know if you go to the lee valley catalog which is leevalley.com if i remember right i think they might sell those through woodcraft and highland woodworking also but for sure over at lee valley you can get those there for sure for sure and they're not that expensive either if i remember right oh maybe i got one for christmas so it was cheap for me <laughs> anyways cool all right well you know what that i believe wraps up our first 2008 show matt holy cats oh so many more to come unbelievable our future together is bright as they say it is absolutely (laughs) i'm gonna Uh, grab my shade absolutely i uh i i look forward to uh to a number of good shows and um i really want to get off my butt and start getting some cool interviews taking place uh for the show as Tell well me a little about yourself sweet and i've uh okay. well, i've neglected to do that um, in the past I so raised. i gotta work that yeah. out but we'll uh we'll, we'll get to we'll it. put that down for the resolutions uh show definitely for the <laughs> resolutions yeah i've got the whole little thing to get the phone calls in but the phone's on the other side of the room and it just creates all this you know all these problems for me and i don't need more problems but um we can get some really interesting people um at this point on the show if i just could get off my butt and do it so uh yeah <laughs> I, I promise to do it this right. year definitely this year so oh okay i'll put a little bug in here once in a while because i want to hear some good ones too perfect perfect <laughs> all right matt so we'll be in Sweet, touch in a couple weeks and we'll be rolling with another show Absolutely, people. So if you want to get a hold of us, remember, comments, questions, feedback, we'll talk online at gmail.com or call us on our voicemail, which is 623-242-2450. Of course, as always, we'll be in the show notes. So, Mark, until the next time we talk, buddy, you take care. Ciao. Peace.